0: The <laughs> bit died. Did you know that Larry Herb has started his own competing podcast to uh, the Motion Pixels?
1: Yeah, yeah. I didn't want. To, I didn't want to bring this up.
0: Yeah, it's really sad. It's like something. I, can't I believe don't know. You do this to us.
1: I don't know if I would. You know, I don't know if we're at liberty to talk about talk about it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, we do have that non compete. I probably shouldn't have brought it up.
1: <laughs> yeah, when we started this podcast, we signed a non compete with Larry Herb, Xbox Lives, Major Nelson. um He didn't sign anything, but we did just to say that we would never compete with him. So, um, you know, it's like a respect thing, you know, like how the mafia, you know, the mafia is like a lawless group of, you know, bad boys, um, but they're bound by a code of honor. You know, they're not good people. Uh, It's a lot like the Motion Pixels podcast, like as the bad boys of podcasting, you know, we're bound by a code of honor and, and that was ours. Theme song this is the motion pixels podcast i'm your co-host august meyer august say hello uh matt if you could edit the uh anime uh uh salesperson for windows 10 uh for my hello That'd be cool, because I still think that's really funny. Uh, joined by my co-host, Matthew Rawlings. Matthew, say hello. Uh, you can say hello. You can, you know, leave the sound bite there. <laughs> it's up to you. People? <laughs> because this is the Motion Pixels Podcast. Joining so are we
0: getting, hmm? are we, are we going to get our own, like, should we pick our own OS-ton for, but a pod-ton? I, I suppose.
1: If it's good enough for, for Microsoft, mushrooms. it's good enough for me is what I always say. But no, 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 I would not like, uh, I would expressly not like to have a, a pod. <laughs> pod you
0: don't want to be represented by some anime girl, huh?
1: No, that's you, just, you, you, prude. you know, <laughs> I, you know, that's not the kind of marketing I personally, uh, engage with the most. So, you know, I'm good on that front. I'm good on that okay, front. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but Matthew, uh, this week, um, in addition to Microsoft's brave choice to advertise with an anime girl mascot, uh, Windows 10, um, besides that, uh, what will we be talking about? What What's on the agenda? What's on the docket? List it off. List off the, the checklist of content that we're going to be slinging our viewers, our listeners, our consumers' way.
0: Uh, I wanted to see if you had been keeping up with all of the, um, the summer Game Fest coverage, or... I guess, shows, the series of shows they've been doing. Have you been watching any of that?
1: Um, uh, so, Some of it. So I've been watching, I've been trying to watch everything that Jeff Keeley's thing has been doing, but that has a really similar name to what IGN is doing because there's like Summer of Gaming and then there's like Summer of Fun. IGN's doing one too? Yeah, and they have very similar marketing oh. and very similar like... They're all doing the same kind of thing, like they're announcing the th- the stuff that would be announced at E three, you know. That's not part of a big like major corporation's press conference, like Microsoft or Sony or something like that. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know what I've seen and what I haven't because there's there's so much of it. But um, like wow. for instance, there's there was something called like the Gorilla Collective that yeah, like, yeah. kind of funny and someone else did um I, no idea did not pay attention to that at all. What I did see was the EA Play. I watched that, um, which was cringy uh greg miller was pretty cringy as a host in my opinion but um you know altogether it was fine and uh there's some cool stuff sure some cool ea stuff i watched the playstation one Uh, i didn't watch the uh uh, pc gamer show pc gaming show and there's probably another one that i am not even not even thinking of so that's what i've seen that's what i've seen and you know there's been some cool stuff like the squadrons star wars uh squadrons looks awesome
0: so hyped so hyped uh i brought it up though because there was one today that was part of i only knew about jeff Keeley's. i didn't know ign was doing it um so i've been watching most of what i can for the summer game fest or whatever that one's called uh but they'd had one today called dev days where it was like a bunch of i think it was like the start of it was the super fine or double fine yeah the double fine developers uh opened it up and announce some stuff. And there's some cool what they It was more like. Uh, I actually didn't watch the first part. I just know they opened oh. it up. <laughs> Man, I, really uh, I, I was bringing it up though. Because the tail end of it was closed out. By a performance. By the Sludge Life guy.
1: Oh really? Oh that's awesome. Yeah.
0: For like 30 minutes. He was just performing what? Sludge Life music. And like doing this like dance with it. It was like kind of cringe. But kind of funny. Because he's just having such like a good time with it.
1: You know, and- I, we met that guy at PAX, and he was the coolest guy. I talked to them a whole yeah, bunch dude. about Twin Peaks, and it was, like, so cool to geek out. And, like, I told him that uh my... So, Sludge Life is a game that was just released for free on the Epic Game Store. But I just, like, f- I saw the album art of the EP that, like, went along with the game on Spotify. And I just thought it looked cool, so I listened to it. I listened to it, like, quite a bit, and I didn't even know it was a part of a game. So, when Matt and I were at PAX East, we saw this this album art at the devolver uh devolver digital booth and i went up to someone i was like is that what is this like i thought it was just like a like a ep on spotify and they were like actually man the guy who the guy who made it's like right over there you can go you can go say hi he made this game called sludge life and i talked to him and he told me all about this like crazy graffiti game that him and this other guy had made and uh yeah, it was just a really wild experience because I didn't even know anything was tied to this this music, and I listened to the music before I even I didn't even play the game yet, um, but I'd like to. And the music is super good. Uh, it's like really grimy, uh, grimy hip hop, like electronic music.
0: Yeah, it is interesting, and uh, dude's pretty cool too. Um, but yeah, it was cool seeing up there. Like, uh, like see, I like this summer game fest approach more than E three in a way. Because, like, what was cool about E3 is you got all of the big publishers doing all their stuff, like, back-to-back. So, it's this week of, like, all these crazy announcements. But now it's, like, more spread out, which kind of sucks because I don't even know if Microsoft is doing one. They are. If they have announced it
1: in, do- in July.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, see, it's, like, it's so spread out. Like, um, you know, like, Sony just did theirs, like, last week. And that was pretty cool, but now it's like we have to wait a month for Microsoft. But at the same time, there's these smaller press conferences uh, every day, every other day, and I'm more inclined to watch them because it's like why not? It, it it's it's all this content that's spread out more over time, and I'm finding out about a bunch of cool games this way. Like uh, they did some indie one a couple days ago where it was like that one of the that developer of Thirty XX that we met. He was on there talking about the Whoa. game, uh, going over that stuff. Uh, I found another cool game. Like somebody's making a game that's basically like Mega Man Battle Network. If you've ever played
1: that, is that like a card-based um, game?
0: Uh, kind of. It's it, it's more than like a card-based game. It's uh, you're kind of on like this series of, I don't know, like each person has like a three by three grid of panels they can move around on, and you uh build a deck around, like, abilities you can use. I don't know if this one is as much like that as Mega Man was, but it's that same, like, combat style. But it's just cool. Like, it's like, I wouldn't have heard about that if it wasn't for this thing. For sure. And then during the Dev Days t- uh, thing today, let me, I'm going to pull up the name so I know exactly what it's called. But um, there's this really cool space game that's kind of like, it's called Starbase. It looks almost like a Minecraft in space kind of vibe uh, where you build spaceships and everything's kind of like blocky looking, but not like to the extreme of like Minecraft. Um, but you can do things like build giant space stations and uh, control parts of the galaxy. And you can build spaceships and go to war and you can like do sp- raids on planets and on other people's spaceships. And it's this insane looking game. That's just like, wow. Okay. Yeah. I would have totally missed this if this hadn't been, or if this had been part of, like, a traditional E3 structure, but it's, like, I'm getting to appreciate a lot of these cool things that are coming out, which I think is really helpful for a lot of smaller games that would typically, like, struggle to... Like, imagine if, like, you know, Starbase was announced uh, during the PS5 event, right? Like, mm-hmm. people would have saw it, but it wouldn't have been, like, as big. So, I don't know. I think I think it's cool. It's uh, I'm getting a lot of exposure for a lot of cool things that... Are coming down the pipeline so pretty neat
1: yeah i love that and that, that's like it's like the spirit of PAX. like you go there and you're you're seeing things exactly. you, you, ha- you haven't even haven't even heard of never even would have looked at and like a lot of the t- things we saw at PAX, i don't even care about but it's just cool to see what's out there yeah that's cool that's a what, a, what an interesting time media wise um and i it's pretty it's, it's pretty weird frankly to not have e3 and yeah it's probably for the better honestly it kind of sucks to have to carve out a whole week to pay attention all the time because you never know when a when a big thing is going to pop up um so yeah i mean i guess i guess it's a good thing um it feels kind of like a deluge like i know i like in the same way that there is so much content to to look forward to and like watch at your own pace um i for someone who's not paying attention to some of it, I feel like there's like okay, there's 50 things. I don't have time to look through all 50 things but 50 things were just announced so I kind of missed so much that I was I was already missing uh, uh, anyway, but it's just like to know that it's out there you know it makes me kind of makes me kind of sad because there's so many things like I saw uh, at one of these events there was like uh it might have been like the PC gaming show there was like 900 like 900 demos released that they just released this big pack of like demos for games you could go and check out and it's like how is anyone supposed to keep up with all that
0: yeah that's kind of a lot <laughs>
1: yeah but it's cool it's cool i mean everything it's like the sun the sh, the sun uh, sun of attention the eyeballs are shining on so many so many more things that they wouldn't have wouldn't have typically so it, it's probably good at the end of the day mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's it's interesting um I think Steam has had this real issue lately where, like, I think right around that, that demo thing that you are just talking about, like, they had a big page where, like, I th- that's where everybody could get the demos for the stuff they showed off, um, was on Steam. But it was, like, almost, sabot- in a way, like, sabotaged by, like, EA and a couple other companies, because they're putting all their games on Steam now. Mm-hmm. So instead of those games being, like, on the new and trending, it's, like, Sims 4, titanfall 2 oh yeah space 3 yeah so it kind of it was like poor timing in a way like it's not like they meant to do that but like that that page is already gone and you can't see any remnants of games that were shown because they've mostly all been replaced by uh all the ea games coming to steam that i guess for whatever reason people hadn't bought yet
1: yeah i see i am not the kind of person who will just like blacklist a game because it's coming out on a launcher I don't want to don't want to download. That just doesn't just not my thing. So maybe maybe there's just a lot of those kind of people who were just like, you know, The Sims 4, they didn't want to have to download Origin, which I get It's a, There's a big, big old launcher. Some people don't want to download, you know, stuff they don't want onto their computer, which is fine. Um, but they wanted to play The Sims. So, I mean, The Sims is a hugely popular game. So it doesn't surprise me that it's finding it's finding an audience. But yeah. Um, stuff like dead space i feel like i don't know
0: yeah dead space 3 is such an old such an old game <laughs>
1: yeah it's
0: crazy it's an old like, game
1: and i don't think it was remembered that fondly from what i what i recollect about that time well like it was S- the sims era. 4 people have people have like complaints about the sims 4 but like it's still the sims 4 it's like you know animal crossing it's just like a game that everyone everyone plays
0: yeah as sp- like a an audience like, beyond like core gaming, you know. Yeah, and it's like, like Call of Duty,
1: where it's like they come out and they're just they. It's like Madden or, you know, uh, one of these yearly games. They come out and they just know they're going to be super popular. So like, mm-hmm. um, but Dead Space Are you three. saying Dead Space isn't like that. No, <laughs> yeah, I don't think Dead Space is as evergreen <laughs> as The Sims is. Um, so that's that's surprising to me. But you know, it's a cool series. That'd be cool if they made more. Uh, games in that series Uh, i really liked i played dead space one and then i think i watched some friends play two and then i think i missed missed three but um i mean that's cool ea is doing that i I think breaking down walled gardens like that's probably a good thing for uh for games so you know that's fine but i news delivery wise in like hype cycle wise i imagine you know probably next year there's not going to be any three i don't know but maybe and um i would i would think not and if that's the case i hope they kind of like figure out the bumps along the road this year so that next year it's a bit of a i don't know easier to a little easier to follow to track some of these things that fall through the cracks like like we're talking about
0: i i bet we get e3 back next year if things are have recovered enough well we'll get e3 again i think i don't know
1: I think, I don't, it's
0: actually kind of weird that we're at a point where this could have totally killed it. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's kind of strange to think about that. It's like just one year off and everybody realizes like, oh, digital things aren't hard to do at all. And we're in an age where it's like, we don't like E3 was already shifting from press to people going as like Mm -hmm. a con in a way, which made a lot of press not like it. So in this way, like press still like, don't get a hands-on Um, unless they're given like a demo specifically to play, which I imagine, uh, public studios are giving to people if they really want, you know, critique on their game. Um, and that's probably easier done digitally. And now you can spread it out and everybody can do things at their own pace. Like this might just be the better way. Like E3 might just be like, might've been a remnant from a, a past age of how you had to do things. And now that we're past it, it doesn't really matter.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was just watching a, um, a Danny O'Dwyer, a no clip. Um, I keep mentioning them. I don't, I'm not like obsessed with them. It just, they have some good stuff. And, uh, I was watching a, they had a video last year just about them going to E3 and just kind of interviewing a bunch of people that were also there. And it was kind of cool because it's not, it's not like they were, they were there to like promote a game or anything. So it was just kind of an overview of like what a journalist's day might look like while they're, uh, at E3. Um, and it was just kind of, it did feel like kind of a remnant of the past. I don't know. It's all these, like, it's all these, these announcements, they get plenty of eyeballs on them online, you know, on streams. You see like, uh, all of these, all of these things get like hundreds of thousands of people watching or a lot of them, a lot of these shows get like hundreds of thousands of people watching them live on Twitch. And then that's not to say that there's not, you know, double or, you know, fivefold that many viewers, you know, piecemeal the next few weeks in articles written about those videos and streams and like, you know, the, the the YouTube videos of those streams themselves. So yeah, it just seems so expensive and big. And, you know, if large groupings of people can't get together as safely, um, you know, there's that that's like a huge complicating factor too, on top of everything else. But um, yeah, I don't know, maybe maybe we've we've outgrown that kind of thing. I don't know. And I would like it, you know, I think either way, because I, I like paying attention to E3 every year. But, you know, this format is also, uh, also seems to be working out fine. Like we're still getting cool uh game announcements that I'm excited for. Like at the EA event, there was a bunch of stuff that I never would have uh, like paid much attention to that I that I saw. Not that Star Wars is like that. The Squadrons game looks awesome and I definitely want to play that. But there was like, did you see that game? It's called like... Uh, lost at no lost at random something like that lost in random
0: nope what, what's that
1: it's like it the game like it like looks like it's claymated and it's like the art style is like nightmare before christmas but like more gothic-y horror like lots of like iron gates and in, like in, they're in like a city or something and it's a game where like you are a character Walking around with this like anthropomorphic dice, who is like I don't know somehow randomizing the 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 events that happen in the story, and um, the 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 way of the story the the way the press conference uh, depicted it just looks like pretty pretty unique. Like it looks like you're kind of playing like a Nightmare Before Christmasy type like stop motion animation movie. Um, it has that, that same kind of like Tim Burton-y, but not not really Tim Burtony, but like that same kind of flair um, visually. So that was just a weird game that I never would have, I don't know. Just like, I feel like it came out of nowhere.
0: Hmm. Yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah. But see, that's what's neat about these, you know, more, uh, digestion, you know, you can, uh, see that and you remembered it. Otherwise, like if it was previous, you probably would have
1: moved on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's cool stuff. There's cool stuff. Uh, it's, it's, it's fun to be a gamer. It's a good time to be a gamer, I guess. Um, but uh, what, have, what have you been playing this week, Matt?
0: Well, I played a lot less VR than I was hoping to. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Talk about that. Because you were really stoked yeah. about that.
0: Yeah, it sucks. Dude, it's it, it, like I kind of asked for it in a way. Uh, so my index, my beloved index, uh, showed up last Thursday in the middle of my day. Like right at lunch, It got here. So I uh, took my lunch, went downstairs, grabbed it, set it all up, and I played around a Beat Saber. On my lunch break. And it was awesome. Like, it, it was so cool because it was just so easy to set up. I pulled it out of the box. I set up the the lighthouses, which is, like, how it detects your position. Uh, hooked up the headset and the controllers. Ran the Steam VR setup. Drew my play space with my controller, which was pretty neat. Um, and was able to just jump in and play. And uh, so after that, I went to make lunch. And I was, like, as I was making everything, I was thinking, like, wow, think of the hundreds of thousands of man hours that went into making this insane like revolutionary technology like set up just so easy right like just mm-hmm. like no issues basically plug plug and play it's kind of crazy so you know i kept working and then after work i uh, was like all right time to plug in and play some more vr and i booted up uh my headset and I had a couple like update things where it's like, Oh, we have new firmware for your headset and the stations and the controllers and whatnot. So I went through doing all of those and, uh, the, the base stations in particular, they took a little longer than everything else. Um, I think cause they're wireless, it does some sort of like over the air communication to patch them. So anyways, I patched one and it took forever. So then I was like, I'm going to go make dinner while this last one patches. So I did that, came back Everything looked fine. And I got into a game and my controller kept desyncing. And my headset, like whenever your, uh, I guess, vision, the tower's vision of your headset is interrupted, it'll gray your screen, like your entire screen goes gray. (laughs) Um, And that just kept happening. And I was like, what is going on? And so I looked at my stations. One's fine, has this green light, which means it's functioning and tracking. I look it over at the other and it's this like red blinking light. Like that is just oh, no. a universal bad sign, you know. So I looked at it. I googled it. Um, it's so broken that even their troubleshooting guide doesn't have a color code for what red means. Oh um, no! Yeah. So you know that's a bad sign. So after I looked at it, uh, looked it up a bit, it looks like it. Some like the firmware patching failed, and it's stuck in a state where. And dude, it's actually bizarre because my Steam knows it's there. Like there's a you can calibrate the channels uh, that it communicates on because it makes like a local little Wi-Fi network in which they'll communicate with each other in the headset. And it knows it's there. And I can like, there's a manual channel change button on the back of these towers that if you hit it, it will change it. And it was registering on here, but it wouldn't register that it can detect. So something got scrambled in there in the firmware setup. And if you try to reload the firmware... It just says invalid like over and over again. Oh, that sucks. Um, yeah, dude. It's this weird state where it, it must have failed spectacularly at like the worst time in that firmware patch. So um, hit up Steam. They advanced shipped one to me. I'm getting it in like a couple days. Ugh. But But while that's happening, it's like I could play it still because like one tracking station is like enough. But if you do anything like too much, it's going to like... It's going to mess it up. It's going to be a little spotty because there's a reason to give you two. So I haven't been able to play a whole lot. I have been playing a lot of Elite Dangerous with it, though, which it works really well because you only really need one because it's a, it's a game where you're seated while you play it in VR. And, dude, it's it's next level. It's, it's kind of crazy how, like, well VR lends itself to, like, a cockpit space game. And then also, Elite Dangerous is just an amazing game, and I can't believe it. I'm playing it five years after it came out, and loving it as much as I I am. Yeah, it, that's it, how I felt.
1: I know that feeling. That like that's how I felt when I started playing Siege uh, last year. It just felt like I like stumbled upon this like diamond in the rough. Like how did no how did no one tell me that this is like the best thing ever? Even though my like yeah. my, my little brother had told me about it before, but still the same feeling.
0: Yeah, and see what's really cool about. I'm going to start talking about Elite Dangerous now, if you're cool with that. Sure, Yeah. So, um, background on this game, it's, I don't know, like seven years ago, maybe six. There's like Kickstarters. That's when like Star Citizen and this game had their Kickstarters going. Um, It's a space sim game where you are in a spaceship and you fly around a galaxy and you can do all sorts of things. And it's very like sim based where... You can manage things down to how like what parts you put into your spaceship, how you power those parts, what parts of your ship get power. And it just it goes super deep with all these different things you can do. And there's a lot of different activities in this game. Um, and what's really cool about it is it has this like, the game itself is just really open. And so there's, like, a lot of different activities that you can do. Like, you can go be a bounty hunter. You can be a trader, where all you do is find profitable trade routes to trade resources between space stations and make money that way. Or you can go mine. You can go explore. Like, it simulates... uh, Not simulates, but the map is literally the entire galaxy. So you there's like an area of space that's a bunch of areas where there's systems that have like other people and uh, space stations there but then if you want to go to the other side of the galaxy where there's nothing there you can it takes forever and you need to prepare for the trip but you can do it and it will actually take you like a couple real life weeks to get there because of the amount of distance you have to cover oh whoa But, but you can do it yeah, so the game's super open, but what I'm finding to be like the the coolest part about this game is the amount of interaction that developers have with the community. Like, uh, this this game isn't super huge; it doesn't have an audience on the scale of like you know Rainbow Six or something. But for for how I don't know, it's small. I would say it's a small player base. Um, not incredibly tiny, but small by like large game standards, I guess, uh, for how small the player base is the the devs like will really listen. Like, uh, a lot of the, the lore in this game is generated, I think procedurally, like they kind of like will simulate like a history of a bunch of factions. Cause if you're going to have like, like the, the area where most people live in the galaxy is, like, this thing called the bubble, right? And it's a lot of closed systems where you can find a lot of space stations that are inhabited by a bunch of different factions. And so factions will either span, like, maybe one system or two systems, and there's, like, these three superpowers that are all over the place. But, like, everywhere else you'll go, you'll find, like, basically tiny little governments, you know? It's like going to, like, California or Oregon, but there's, like, thousands of states in a way. Okay. Um, but what, what you can do is... If you have a big enough player base, you can rec- like a like you have a group of like I think it's ten people. You can register your group with the developers, and then the request a faction is made around your group. So you can give them a backstory, the government type, and all this stuff, and they'll sit. They'll put it into like almost like a uh, dwarf fortress history generator. They'll make this long history of what this faction has done, and they'll give it to a system and then it's just there. So oh. yeah, so you can like you you can have your custom faction uh just existing in a system and other people can interact with them and can partner with them and uh, do missions for them. And then what's cool is that these factions since it's all simulating this stuff uh people can sabotage or boost them. So like if you do a lot of trading into one system, their economy gets boosted, which makes them have like a rapid expansion where they'll maybe offer more things on sale that you can buy for your spaceship there or offer you more missions to go out and do things. Um, but that can cause problems with neighboring factions where uh, they're take since they're taking some of that, uh, you know, strength of their economy out from them, they'll maybe start a war. Like one system we flew into, there was two competing factions in a solar system And we just stumbled upon a civil war going on and we were able to pick a side and help them fight. And like, based on our actions and like how successful we were in the battles that were going on, we could turn the tides of battle and make it so one government would beat the other. And by doing that, it will then shift the balance of power in that system. And that can have rippling effects throughout the entire galaxy. (laughs) It's so cool. It's just like such a neat little system that the world is like constantly evolving and growing based on things that are uh, happening. And there's so much player input down to the point where you can have your own faction based off uh, your friends. And you can essentially have a home base. It's it's really neat. I haven't seen anything like it before. And there's just so... Then on just on top of that, there's just so many other things you can sink your teeth into with this game, and there's so much stuff they put into it that uh, it's not like unlimited uh, content and like a limitless game. But there's so many things to explore that it's something that I I can totally see myself playing for a really long time because there's just so much to it. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, That's dude, a, it's
1: dope. <laughs> that sounds a lot like what I what I thought MMOs were going to be. But then you find out MMOs are just, for the most part, loot grinding like, loot grinding machines. Um, But this sounds like a loot grinding machine that uh, has some like huge environmental consequences that are organic in the way players, uh, like create them or like turn the tides of them. That's pretty dope. I've never really. I think the only thing that I'm aware of that sounds similar is Eve Online. And that's another spacefaring game that I know you've played with. So actually, do you know what the differences, like, key differences are between Elite Dangerous and EVE Online?
0: I So I haven't actually played EVE Online. Um, I played some of their spin-off games, which didn't do well because they weren't very good. Uh, but from what I can tell, EVE is more like, almost like an RTS perspective. Like, this game is first person, you're in the cockpit, right? And you're flying your spaceship like that eVE online i believe is more like top down flying around systems um a lot more player world dr- economy driven in a way like you can't make a company in this game well I- you kind of can now with this latest update but it's not to the oh scale i see of so it's, it's less like,
1: less of these like like ai generated factions based it's less based on that and more based on like actual player created companies competing with each other
0: yeah, like, you can't have, to the scale that these uh, these corporations exist in EVE Online, you can't do that in Elite Dangerous. Like, you, you've you heard the crazy stories, like, people made player-run banks, and there's yeah. that one story where the guy uh, started the bank and had all this stuff and then ran off with all the money, you know? Like, you can't do that in this game. Um, EVE is a lot more open in that sense, but it, that game is just more like it's a second job in a way, where this is, like, you do jobs but they're fun. <laughs> so it's like a better balance in a way. Maybe like a bite-sized
1: version of EVE Online, like just the fun stuff with this like AI story building. Well, the,
0: maybe. I mean, the real need of it is like, I think EVE Online, the universe has developed, I haven't played it, so it's super hard to know, but I believe it's just all player developed and there might be a story, but I think it's more of the stories players tell. And this, it's like player assisted um, you know uh, stories that are more just generated by a computer like you can shift things but the computer is going to tell the story and the players can't do anything other than like maybe request something get added um, and it's more just like power control it's not really like a story there's a main narrative that's put out by the developers but uh, if the developers just stopped updating the game then it would just be a series of like power rising and falling in different systems um and then then the real meat of this game is like it's actually about it's like a spaceship simulation right like you don't get that in eve like in this game you have control of your spaceship like all the way around like people have these crazy builds they'll make where uh in order to power all this stuff you want you have to knock out crucial systems like this one build i found in order to fight, it takes your life support offline because it just has to drain all this power, right? You can make these like crazy, like shoot yourself in the foot decisions in this game with your spaceship because it might play into some sort of strategy, um, which is super neat. Yeah, it's it's so cool. And, and this game, I feel like, is more based around combat too because there's a lot of uh, things that lend itself to it, especially with like how you build spaceships. You know, like half of it is like dedicating something to like guns,
1: so. Yeah, it's
0: cool. It's
1: yeah, really so, neat. So, can tell me about the the combat. What is that? What would you compare that to, game wise?
0: Well, uh, like squadrons. You know, anything like Ace Combat, uh, any sort of plane fighting. It's you're piloting a uh, an aircraft from a cockpit perspective. So you, uh, whereas like, you know, in like uh, squadrons or like let, let's use one that's already out, like Rogue Leader, uh, you have like an X-Wing and an X-Wing has fixed things that it can do. It has those four beams and you can do, it's very nimble and does an X-Wing have anything else? I think it's just that, right? It's just the shooties and the it's maneuverable.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, In this game, it's like you can get something like an X-Wing, but you, you can put those beam lasers on it. You can put machine guns on it. You can put a rail gun on it, missile launcher. You can do like all this stuff and you can tweak it to your heart's desire and you can take, there's a bunch of different ships, and they're more like templates, right? So there isn't like some ships will be better at doing certain things, but you can make a ship do almost anything you want with it, which is really neat. So it's very customizable. And things, it's not like, um, like it is very much like an MMO, like, but like what you would want an MMO to be. Cause in this game, it's not like you're constantly getting a better chest that looks the same, but it's a higher level. Um, you buy spaceships and there are some ships that you get early on and they're cheap but that doesn't mean they're bad like you you just can find as you can afford more top of the line gear this ship that you bought can be relevant forever like one of the first ships that's available is one of the better combat ships in the game you just have to be able to find the space stations and afford the parts to make it like that so you're never really grinding loot it's more about trying to find a build that's going to complement how you can play this game because it's also a lot about mechanical skill because you have to be able to pilot the ship like uh, some ships are really maneuverable so you want to fly around and like take pot shots and like try to zip around and avoid getting hit then some are built like tanks with just giant cannons that are like i can take a bunch of hits from you and i will shoot you before you can kill me you know so there's a lot of approach to how you can make what you want to fly and you can have multiple ships so you can do it in different ways. So as you get more money, it's more about like you need, you can have less of a ship that can do everything and having a bunch of ships that can do a bunch of niche things. So you can play the game in a bunch of different ways. However, like whenever you want just by switching over to it. So I have like two ships right now where one is uh, focused mainly on combat the way I want to fly my combat ship, but I also bought a ship that I just use for trucking where I'll load up on a resource and I'll take it somewhere where I can sell it for a lot and I drive back and do it over and over again. And it's literally a ship with nothing but cargo bays. And you know, I could just use it for that. And if I ever wanted to make it a combat vessel, I could take all that out, put a couple shield generators in, uh, put some guns on it and it'd it'd be perfectly good for that too. It's pretty cool. The, the amount of stuff you can do with it because it it's like, it's like a loot game But without the like loot games are crazy with loot. Like Diablo, like you're constantly just like milling through things. In this game, it's like you're more saving up for that good thing you really want that's gonna make your ship a lot better. So it's different. It's really really interesting.
1: Yeah, I don't know what to compare it to other than the Kingdom Hearts gummy ship editor.
0: It's not a, It's not as customizable as a Kingdom Hearts gummy ship editor.
1: So it's like a less. It's kind of like a less. Uh, I guess you could say like a budget Kingdom Hearts. Is, it's a budget
0: uh, gummy ship that you fly.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can get behind that. Is Goofy in? No, of course not. Um, but Mark Hamill is in the other. The competitor to this one, right? That like the star studded. Uh, Giganto budget competitor to Elite Dangerous, uh, Star Citizen. I know you've been like you've been talking to me about that lately. It's just kind of funny how these games seem so similar. Like I would always conflate the two when I um, would read about them, but apparently they're different games. And uh, Star Citizen, <laughs> Star Citizen is still in like open alpha or closed alpha or something like that, and Elite Dangerous has been out for five years. So like, what's do you know what's up with that?
0: um so i forgot the guy's name uh but supposedly with star citizen this guy is one of those developers it's kind of it's almost like peter molyneux you know um sure where the peter promises molyneux the
1: world will, and then delivers something weird
0: yeah um and it yeah he like he'll say oh like I think in Fable, he's like you can plant an acorn and you come back ten years later and it will grow a tree, and it's like no, that doesn't fucking happen, you know? It's, or like when he promised Milo, Milo's like a real person, and it never came out, you know? <laughs> it, it's like because it's not, it's bad. It's not, it's not what you're saying. Um, it, it's not to that degree. But Star Citizen is founded by this guy uh, named Chris Roberts, who I had never heard of, but my friend gave me a bit of a history lesson on him. Um, he has a history of. Uh, scope creeping really hard. So there's this one game that I never heard of that was supposed to be pretty big back in the day. That was basically the predecessor to Star Citizen, called like Freelancer or something never like that. Never heard of it.
1: Never heard of it.
0: Yeah, I didn't heard of it either. But I think it was owned by. It was a game where he's like promising the world and wanted to make it the best as he could. So he kept thinking of things to add and add and add, and just scope creeping to the point where it would never deliver. Uh, it got to the point where Microsoft had to buy him out, gave him strict deadlines. He didn't like that, so he quit. And then the game came out and nobody cared because um, we had never heard of it, you know. So obviously didn't do well. But it's kind of like what's happening right now. Um, like Star Citizen, I was told, I haven't seen it, so I don't know if it's 100% true. Uh, but I, I wouldn't doubt it that it's the most funded video game ever.
1: Yeah, $300 million, right?
0: Yeah, and it's only growing because... Its audience is all whales, <laughs> um, so it's this game that can stay in open alpha for five, six years because he's promising the world. Like, like have you read uh, Ready Player One?
1: Uh, no, but I've seen the movie.
0: Okay, so what what is that world they're in? Is it called like Oasis? Oasis, or yeah, that, the big like yeah. VR MMO. I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Roberts actually thinks that Star Citizen could be Oasis. Like that's the level of detail he wants to go with this game. Um, he's trying to make it a true space sim, which ends up being a true universe sim. Um, he had a, it has everything Elite Dangerous has, but I think scoped more, and it probably does it better in a lot of ways. Because um, Elite Dangerous, you know, they're more realistic. It's a small dev team. Uh, it's on current gen consoles, so it's kind of held ba- held back by that but they actually deliver things (laughs) like and and like Star Citizen they deliver things too like you can go play the game you can buy the game but where you can do truck routes to get the really cool ships in Elite Dangerous I think you have to you know actually get a trucking job and get paid 60k (laughs) a year to donate to Chris Roberts to get the really cool ships you know Um, yeah yeah
1: I read a bunch of stuff about the insane ships in uh star citizen like 10k plus expensive ships um pretty crazy not really my scene but it's cool that there's a similar kind of experience for people who don't want to shell out you know twelve thousand dollars for like that sweet x-wing type you know type ride in star citizen you can just play elite dangerous and get the same kind of experience where it's a space sim you're doing the kinds of things that you want to be you want you want to be a bounty hunter in space or running these trade routes but you don't want to, you know, take out a mortgage to do it. Um, yeah, that's cool. exactly. That's cool. And it sounds like it's like very legit in VR. You know, I, w- I would think, you know, be just being able to look around your cockpit versus tilting a camera has got to be like pretty immersive right, right off the bat.
0: Yeah. The VR dude is so cool. Cause some of the ships have these beautiful cockpits where they're like this one I bought, it's just this entire glass dome in front of you. So and what's cool is they designed the ships with VR in mind so you can stand up and walk around the back of your ship and just Whoa. see everything whereas like if you're normally playing the game like normally like flat on a monitor you don't get to look back there but for VR all that stuff is detailed and made so you can go back and look at everything but you can also stand up and like just look around at space just being parked there and like look out and see all the stars it's really cool it's like it's like what I imagine it would be to be on a real starship and looking out into space because it, it, it looks really nice. Um, what's also cool is while you're flying, it's like if you're targeting somebody, it has that thing where it's like it's like driving, you know, where when you're driving on the road, like you have your hands on the controls and you're controlling the car, but you don't need to have your face straight ahead the entire time. You can look around, see something go by, look at a billboard, anything like that. Uh, like you got to keep looking forward every now and then to make sure you know where you're going, but you can look around. So it's like, while you're flying, like, let's say you're in combat and somebody's doing a maneuver above you. You don't have to turn your ship up to see where they went. If you have a big open cockpit, you can look up and see where they go. And then while looking at them still, you can still steer your ship and like, try to get it to go that way. Uh, so it's just really immersive. It's also very uh nauseating if you're not I used bet. to it. Oh my yet. god. Especially since you can do like 360 flips and everything. Um
1: <laughs> yeah, there's like eight axes, right?
0: Yeah, it, 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 you can turn yourself any way you want. And then if you turn off flight assist, dude, oh my god. <laughs> it's <laughs> even
1: worse. So somehow more immersive even than the gummy ship. Uh, levels in kingdom hearts
0: (laughs) yes it's like it's like they gave up on all the rich complexity that chip and dale wait is that their name
1: yeah chip and dale
0: they uh, okay chip and dale the cell phone engineers aren't they yeah no
1: dude they're spaceship scientists
0: okay okay yeah so (laughs) you lose all the rich complexity that chip and dale put into their gummy ship and instead (laughs) you get a like you know, half-baked but passable, really immersive spaceship that you can fly.
1: Like the Sacramento of Space Sims.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, it looks good, but you can do better.
1: <laughs> uh, shout out to Sacramento. Next week, we will be having an episode, uh, I think, on the uh, Sacramento Cinematic Universe. Um with- <laughs>
0: That's be- actually... That's a really good episode. We need to save that idea. I, I, I think I, we have I, to do like think a think whole gonna do marathon it for it.
1: Let's do a marathon for it. I'm here. There's like four movies. So, you know, you know, we well, uh, got to
0: watch all of Even Stevens.
1: That's a, Yeah, that's a good point. We got to make sure we get the HD rip uh, yeah. and, everything, <laughs> and everything, you know, subs, not dubbed for for Even Stevens, of course. <laughs> 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 um, but Um, circling back to Elite Dangerous, the space simulator, um, it does make me happy that, that there are that level of diamonds in the rough out there that like, you know, in the same way that I found Rainbow Six and I'm like, damn, this is like, I'm like jumping into this, to this already established, like very good game, very solid community. It sounds like you're having such a similar experience with Elite Dangerous where it's like, wow, that's just cool that that was out there the whole time and you didn't need to be a part of it, but now you are. And that's really cool.
0: Yeah, and there's so much to dive into, and it's like you have five years of uh, of people learning stuff that you can actually like delve in and read about everything. But things change all the time, so like nobody really ever knows. And that's also like the cool part about it. Like there's still so much stuff to learn. Also, speaking of learning, dude, that this game gives you—it's so complex in how to even get started that you feel like you're learning stuff every time you play. And it's so satisfying. Like the, the game gives you like a basic tutorial at the very beginning, right? Where it's like, this is how you fly. This is how you turn. This is how you shoot like basics. But then it throws you into this starting zone where it's like, yeah, that wasn't enough. So here's a little noob area where only noobs can go. And there's like no penalty really for dying. This way you can learn the ropes. And it's like, you got all these other questions. It's like, How do I dock at a space station? How do I fast travel? How do I turn in bounties? What is a mission? How do I trade? It's like all these things that are piling up. And it's just like the game doesn't explicitly tell you how to do it because it's like it would bog you down in menus because after you learn it once, you like get it. But like learning how all these systems function with each other is just so much. But then like you pick it up because like as you play it, you start to understand it. And, and so you just like, like every time I've played it the past week, I feel like I've learned so much about the game and I'm, I, I like my knowledge of how to do all this stuff is just like gone up exponentially since I started like last uh, Tuesday or Wednesday when I got it. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you found something that you really like. Um, and it seems like not shitty. You yeah, know? it's great. <laughs> it's It's fun. It seems non-exploitive. It's just like, you know what? We're going to release a very thorough space simulator. And that is what will attract people to this game. Not these, you know, like, WoW-style, like, addictive practices that are made to just, like, grab people's attention.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's nice. It's uh, very well thought out.
1: Yeah. That's very cool. That's very cool. What, What is the... I'm, I'm still curious so it's you know you've laid out all of the, these grand things that you can do in elite dangerous but what are you looking at most of the time so when you see a faction are you just staring into like the blackness of space and then there's like a sparkling space station like there's like a sparkling like light where like a space station is like talking to you like what is like what what are you looking at like what how do you sink oh. your teeth into the into the universe are there people that you are there like voice actors and people like what
0: There are, like, voice actors. So everything that has to really do with the faction is based around the space stations. So, uh, like, your ship, as it gets damaged, or you use your ammo, or you use your fuel, you have to go back to space stations to, uh, you know, repair, refuel, restock. Um, But while you're there, you can accept missions, right? And all these missions are laid out by the factions. And you can see the factions that are in the system at these stations. So they'll tell you, like, this faction controls this station. And if you view the, the the system you're in, you can view which faction has a ruling power over this system. And you can view which superpower they're aligned with. So it's all, like, local-based. And you actually have to go to somewhere to know. Like, I can't pick a random system at the other end and look up who's in power over there because I... I got to go there and find out like, there's no way for you to actually know. Um, And since there's so many in the game, you can't actually Google them either because there's so many that there isn't even like a list (laughs) of all the factions in the game yet. Um, Not because they haven't been discovered. I imagine a person has seen each one at least once or a group of people, you know, has seen all of them. But it's more like there's so many that there's not enough like dedicated manpower dedicated to writing docs on factions for them to all be there. So when you want to interact with a faction, it's just you basically just see it at a space station. And it's not like incredibly integral to it's like kind of what I was saying, like the stories in this game are more about how these systems interact with each other rather than like being these like player It is kind of like Eve in that sense where stories are player created, but like Eve, it's like a universe in which people inhabit all of these things to make it work. Like there's a player at the top of that corporation where in this game, it's like players make events by like helping the NPCs at the top of a faction in a way. Like it's a, I guess it's subtly different, but it's big enough to change, like, the whole balance of how it is. But really, factions don't exist outside of, like, menus in a way. Like, you'll never look face-to-face with another NPC that rules somewhere. And the only real voice lines are when you go to a station, there'll be, like, an announcer that's saying, like, don't loiter here. If you, you know, you're caught damaging property, uh, there may be like consequences and like, it just depends on the station. So there's like different personalities that you can kind of see. Um But it's not like there's like a cast of characters, right? Because it's a universe, it's a galaxy full of like literally billions beyond billions, trillions of people, you know? So it's different. <laughs> it's weird.
1: Yeah. It's, it sounds kind of like no man's sky. In the sense, like, yeah. not just because it's procedurally generated, but because, like, you can kind of claim... I think in, in you were saying in one of our, you know, OPCs, off-pod conversations, uh, for those keeping score at home, uh, that you can, like, claim a a, a galaxy, not a star system, if you, if you encounter one that no one else has before, a la No Man's Sky.
0: Yeah, like, so this game... I don't know exactly how they do it. I know No Man's Sky is, it's actually almost the same system, I think, as No Man's Sky, where everybody exists in the same universe, but as people uncover something, it will, uh, you know, generate that world, and now that world is there for anybody else to go visit, right? That's how No Man's Sky works.
1: Uh, I think so. I, th- I haven't played it myself. Dan, I know, is an avid player. We could talk to him next yeah. week. Yeah,
0: I, I, I believe that's how No Man's Sky works. I think that because you can encounter planets that people have found, right? So yeah, um, that and that's how it works in this game too. Like you, as you start to go out, you can explore the entire galaxy, and there's parts that are so far away that there's probably parts that people still haven't seen, and if you're the first person to find it, you can it has your name on it it's like first discovered by this player and so there's that real ownership so it has it has that entire system from no man's sky um it doesn't have the where no man's sky is different i believe is that you actually land on the planet and you can get out and you can explore all that stuff where this game doesn't have that um you can land on a planet and i think you can like set up bases but there's no first person uh like actual like person view like you're Mm -hmm. never you're never a person with legs walking around uh they're adding that in the next expansion but that's not in the game right now you're only ever existing in like the cockpit of a spaceship or a vehicle that's on the planet so it's not as um No man's sky is different in that sense where you can actually like go to the you know just land on the planet seamlessly and get out and walk around they don't have that, um, but it has that same system where you can discover things and have your credit to it.
1: Yeah, and that's that's, that's cool. I mean, that's a very novel thing, you know, for that level of persistence uh, across a shared world.
0: Mm-hmm. And you get a lot of money for it, too. Oh, I didn't <laughs> you know, know that. You, that, that yeah, there's like a whole faction of like people that play the game just discovering things and that's how they afford stuff. Whoa. You can just go on exploration missions and get star charts and gather data about systems outside of the the bubble is what they call the civilized area and it, it's like a total valid way to play the game and they reward you for doing stuff like that
1: you know not to do the thing I do every podcast but to relate it to metal gear <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that really reminds me of one of the coolest just things in games in my opinion uh, at least in like shared online games is in metal gear solid 5 the phantom pain the online for that uh you have these bases that you know just to like in the main game like in uh metal gear solid 5 story mode you have this base uh i forget it's like outer heaven something like that and you uh uh like maintain it and have all these weapons there but on the online mode you can have nuclear weapons and a big theme of metal gear solid the franchise is being anti-war and anti-nuke so there is an act. there's a there's a part of the story like an ending that you can unlock in the game if every player in the actual physical world who plays metal gear solid 5's base has been denuclearized and then there's a there's a uh cutscene that'll play that has been data mined. I don't think it's been found out yet because there's actual people trying to denuclearize the world in Metal Gear Solid 5 online. and there's other people who are trying to like keep their nukes and build more nukes and you know like detonate nukes, I guess. Um, and you can you can see the the cutscene online. It's like, you know, the super melodramatic uh, some of the characters from the the base game are like, we finally did it. The dream of the boss like you know a world without nuclear weapons and it's this big heavy thing that'll never probably get actually done um you know i haven't kept up with it but maybe maybe it has been i doubt it um but just like to tie it back to elite dangerous it's like you're never going to find every uh like star system in this game i i I doubt it if it's like being continuously generated like it might just be endless by nature too many yeah. yeah yeah there's actually too, too many main. but there's still these people going out to make it their sole purpose in the game to go and explore things you know it's that same kind of like just journey of you know humanity uh it's just it's a very like human part of a game that has been gamified um and i think that's really cool about these shared game shared world games that, that, that those kinds of things can happen um you love to see it you love to see it um you know, then Death Stranding is a whole nother thing, and I won't get into that too much because uh, we got to keep this podcast a little brief uh, for time purposes, but I have been playing a bunch of Death Stranding, and I'm getting very close to the end of the game, and maybe next week I'll be able to talk about my impressions of the entirety of Death Stranding, which I've been putting off actually finishing. Um, But... What you're saying about Elite Dangerous. I mean, I was not expecting to come into this podcast and just talk about Elite Dangerous, but I was into it because I just didn't realize there was so much to it. You know, I saw it and I was like, "Oh, that looks like a fun like dog fighting game. That's cool." But the systems that you're describing seem pretty progressive, like seem pretty uh pretty nuanced and interesting.
0: Yeah, and it, it's so flexible. Like there's people that have no interest in doing combat. And all they want to do is simulate being like a, a space merchant. And that's a totally valid way to play the game. It's awesome. Because a lot of, you know, MMOs don't lean people towards doing that. Like, they'll have a system like that. Like, it reminds me of, did you ever hear of Star Wars Galaxies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. There was, like, a class called the Dancer or the Entertainer or something like that. And their entire purpose was to be at these player hubs and dance, and entertain people. And, like, you could do that, but it was kind of, like, a meme role in a way. Like, I'm sure there's people that only played that game and had a great time doing that, but I highly doubt that the systems were for dancing (laughs) were as (laughs) in-depth as, like, space-merchanting and really dangerous, you know? One of the more traditional
1: Star Star Wars roles that you might imagine people play in a video game.
0: Yeah, exactly, like... Like, the weird niche roles that sound more like you're doing a simulated job in Elite Dangerous, um, they're super fleshed out. And they're totally valid ways to play. And they're fun. There's actually something to it in a weird way. Um, Whereas, like, a lot of other games, they, like, try to have that level of, like, yeah, this is a world. But really, they want you to go out and kill people because that's what... That's where all the time and effort's put into, because that's how most people are gonna to want to play the game, you know. Um, this world, they the systems are all balanced in this way that it's like you can do all these different things and it's really cool, and you can discover a lot of things, and you can also just toss your hat in a bunch of different ways, and you can have a ship for each of these things, and you're like, I feel like being a miner today, and you can go out and mine a little bit. And you're like, all right, now I want to go kill pirates. And then you can go kill pirates. And if you want to smuggle goods and engage in the black market, you can do that too. <laughs> you know, it's just like, <laughs> there, there, there's so many crazy, neat things. Um, and yeah, we we should pull off of this topic because I could talk about this for a long time. But uh, I I don't know. I don't know if you want to keep hearing about all this. So.
1: <laughs> no, it's all, it's all very interesting. Um, but I do think we should wrap up the pod, um, lest we... You know talk for another hour because i i have quite a few thoughts on death stranding which i've been playing uh, a bunch this week um in and addition, in addition to some other games but um like i got the last of us and started playing that and definitely don't want to you know shortchange the conversation on that but um folks you heard it here first if you played the kingdom hearts series uh gummy ship levels and it didn't quite quench your thirst for immersive space simulator Elite Dangerous seems like a game you might want to check out. It's uh, a gummy like that uh is officially endorsed by the Motion Pixels podcast.
0: A gummy like. <laughs> That's so good. That's such a good way to It's true. It's very true. I mean, Chip and Dale very smart, inventing brilliant, cell phones
1: Brilliant innovators of our time, Chip and Dale. Yeah. oh man wow i love kingdom hearts because this is the motion pixels podcast i am your gummy ship loving co-host august meyer august say hello this time i'll say or i'll I'll say goodbye because it's the end of the podcast and i'll use my own voice and not the os ton voice of the uh windows 10 anime uh mascot uh goodbye and i'm joined by my co-host matthew dangerous rawlings uh matthew say goodbye Goodbye. (laughs) Because this has been the Motion Pixels Podcast. And theme song. I'm finished. Toko, I appreciate your time.